that would be the basic step of starting a transformation because when we have a team that's aligned it's at least i can say it's half the battle already won because you have people who are going to work with you towards the same goal and that's a nice thing to have as a start Hello everyone, this is Cookies and Code Season 2 Episode 5 and I am your host Stefanos Korakas. Today's episode is going to be about business transformation basics and to talk about that I'm joined by professional services leader and long-time consultant Saba Shaikh. Saba is going to share more about how she and her team are approaching business transformation when working with different clients. Now, if this is your first time on Cookies and Code, Cookies and Code is a podcast that is all about sharing the knowledge and the stories that are part of the tech community. So if you haven't done so yet, go back and subscribe because I guarantee there will be more coming. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode and ask Saba to introduce herself. So Saba, welcome and over to you. Thank you, Stefanos, and thanks for inviting me to Cookies on Code. No, oh, my pleasure. I'm very excited because you know part of the reason why I'm doing this is having a lot of the people from our community come on board and share their expertise, but also get to know a little bit about their background and about how they uh, entered the tech sector, how long they've been in the tech sector, what are some of the learnings that we could share with people out there that may be interested to do the same. So, with that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your stories. Can you maybe give us a little bit about your background so far? For sure. So I think in my family we are broadly split into three sort of working departments one is tech and engineering the other is medicine and the third one is education so for me at least knowing the pros and cons of the three of them it was a conscious decision that okay I will choose something in tech and engineering with that I did start with a bachelor's in computer engineering followed by a master's in international business management and it was during the 6 month internship where as an intern you get to experiment with different uh, departments different roles for a term of 1 month where I really liked the tech part CRM was I think taking a boom at that time Salesforce was quite new back in India it hadn't reached the pinnacle that it was already in the United States or in Europe so it was a very new bandwagon to get onto I loved the intro that I had I loved the overview that I had of uh, Salesforce CRM in general combined my business know-how and the technical aspects that i had from both my educational courses and went right on it <laughs> how long ago did you join salesforce then i think in the ecosystem i've been more than a decade right closer to i think 11 or 12 years because before that it was more about technical development um knowing the core languages like java c++ and everything and then this was like a different view that okay we have something like a customer relationship management which doesn't have only one aspect but several aspects to it with a multitude of roles and that's what caught my eye was really interesting and decided to go for it know a bit more about the entire crm system and 
that was, I think, my overview into what Salesforce was. Yeah, I mean, it was a very different story at the time because 10 years ago, I mean, just for those of you that may not be familiar with Salesforce as a company, I mean, I think it, it's, at least if you're in the tech industry, it's becoming a bit more like closer to what you would consider a, you know, household name in retail uh, now. Uh, but it hasn't always been that way. 10 years ago, certainly not the case. 10 years in Salesforce time is, is, is you know, a century, right? So you, you have experienced a lot of change, I'm sure, and a lot of growth in the company as well. Definitely. And in the ecosystem, broadly speaking, right? Because that, that's true for the whole ecosystem. Definitely. I think the growth has been exponential from where Salesforce was, I think, more than a decade ago to where we are now. As a product, as a company, as a business, I think it's just been tremendous. Okay, amazing. So you said you you were, you were uh, already, let's say, the, you had a predecessor into the engineering and to the tech world from the family. So you were sort of, from the different options you had, uh, guided towards that as your main preference. You've been here, at least in the Salesforce ecosystem, a bit over a decade. So what has, what made you stay that long, right? And what is it the thing that excited you the most? And do you see yourself uh, staying in that sector longer? For sure. I think given at the start of my journey to where I am now, I have covered a lot of roles. So not many people know, but also like during the phase of um, my early career, I had tried my hand at um, sales pitches for CRM systems, Salesforce in specific, did a bit of mm. uh, development. Sales was I think something that I liked, but I didn't see myself doing for a longer term. Gradually ended up moving to a bit of development, knowing the platform better inside out. Moved up as a consultant, later on as an architect. And it sort of shaped my journey into where I am today. So currently I am leading the technical and program architects team at Salesforce. Mm. And I think when I look back, I myself am a bit surprised that, okay, that has been quite a bit of variety in it. Well, I, I can imagine. And, you know, uh, so today you mentioned you're one of our leaders uh, in the professional services business. Obviously, uh, you, you've had a tremendous career so far um, in consulting as well. I happen to know your work before, you know, we go to meet uh, and uh, before today's episode for sure, right? So... One question I have, right, and having all of this growth in in tech, mm -hmm. as a woman in particular, I'm I'm sure there must have been some challenges along the way, or I can imagine. Um, the reason why I'm asking this question, and for those of you who are listening, I did a podcast, an episode um, for this podcast with another one of our colleagues. It was just the previous episode before this one. So, and that's all about women in tech. So if you haven't listened to that one and you want to know more about the topic, as I think everybody should, please go back and, and have a listen. And I learned a lot uh, about, you know, how, how the experience looks like for women, how different it is as part of that episode. So that's why I'm asking this question. Has the experience been different for you? And if so, in what ways? I think when I look back, it has changed also quite a lot. Because when I did start off with my career, there were very few women who were there, who were working as part of IT in general. There were specific departments where you could find a larger woman population. It could be with the job security 
or with maybe some other factors. But now, like when I see we are having more women in tech, more women taking different positions also in sales, services, success, and several different streams. And it feels nice to see that, okay, now maybe as a society, as a business in general, we are encouraging and partnering with more women to step into mm-hmm. technology in specific. Yeah, I think this is definitely encouraging to to hear. Um, then again, I, I know that, you know, the work in that field is is not done. Uh, and looking at other sectors, maybe uh, that are not at the same pace as tech, um, there the, the, the problem is still a bit more prominent as well, I can imagine. And I think it will take some time to maybe generalize this, but we are definitely headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. When I see how far we have come, I think from years ago to now, it's some progress and I'm sure it's going to take some more time, but we will get to a position where we can normalize having women in every stream and not only in fixed sectors. But one part where I did realize that I would have loved to see more women stepping in was in our general team setup. So Mm -hmm. in a team of 20 people, when we used to actually look around and see that, okay, there are not more than two or three women, it was always like a thinking point, right? That what could we do from our side to help encourage that aspect? And as I mentioned, we are taking steps together as a company, as a practice to make this a more comfortable place for women to be around. And I would love to also take this opportunity for any women who are hearing that take that step, make it count. And definitely there will be companies out there supporting what you want to do, supporting aspects that you want help in. And I would just say, go for it. So better late than never. Absolutely. And thanks so much, uh, Saba, for for being um, an inspirational leader and a good role model uh, for more women to enter this sector. Um, You've had a tremendous career. I think a lot of people, um, and particularly a lot of women, may be um, skeptical about taking a step in a a particularly tech-heavy roles. So we need more people like you. Thank you for spreading the message. And I hope this inspires somebody to make that step. So... um, one more question, maybe that leads us a little bit more towards the topic for today. Um, now you've been a bit more than a decade in the Salesforce ecosystem. You've spent a good part of that uh, decade on consulting roles. So you must have seen a couple of transformations in your day. Right? What would you say? I mean, and maybe just if you can quantify it anywhere near uh, the number, and I know it's probably plenty. How many times have you experienced companies undergoing through a true transformations? Is it po- even possible to put a number to it? I think a lot. I mean, <laughs> one thing to say that I cannot quantify it by counting on my fingertips. So it's <laughs> definitely a lot more. And in the current age, I think more and more companies are also realizing the need for transformation and the value that they get. So I'm only sure that the number will keep on increasing. I think so too. I mean, that's thankfully what's keeping us in business. And I think most of the companies, especially um, if you're working a little bit more in the enterprise sector, most of the companies you tend to engage uh, with, uh, they are in that phase of transforming. So what I'd like to do is 
and I know this is going to be a bit difficult, but I would like the user experience to try to give as close to a definition as possible to what we mean uh, when we say transformation in the business context. Because I feel the word is thrown around a lot. Um, and sometimes it may be thrown around, you know, referring to something that is a little bit more of an incremental intervention, in my opinion. So what do we mean when we say transformation? That's, that's uh, my first question. And then I have a sub question, which is, uh, when do we know that transformation in, in the proper context is necessary? So, but let's start from the first one. That's a good one. I will try and at least summarize it, but... I think as we all know, it won't be possible to just summarize transformation in general in a few words. But looking back on prior transformation projects or engagements that we have had, I would at least broadly classify it in some specific categories that when a business undergoes transformation, it could be loosely related or tightly related to either the way their people are doing their day-to-day -day work, something with the business processes when we alter them at the core or we change them for maybe achieving their business vision. Or I could also mention the product that a company or a business is focusing on. So it could be, but not limited only to these three aspects. These are the most common transformation aspects that we have seen. and. As I said, it couldn't be limited only to these three. There are several aspects that we could have in transformation. Mm -hmm. And to your second question, that when does a company realize that they need to transform? That is also an important factor that many times the triggering factor is a change of mindset. Because sometimes businesses are happy doing their business as usual since they are doing since maybe the last 50 years, 60 years. But then comes a mind shift change when they realize that, okay, they need to keep up with the times, they need to transform their business, or it could even be to just keep all the changing dynamics. Because if somebody says that the way they were doing business in the 1980s is the same as it is now, I would really love to see that what would be the secret to maintaining that, if not transformation. Mm -hmm. And we can commonly say, right, that change is the only constant. It also holds true in several business aspects. Okay. So from an, so maybe to um, uh, go back to, and, and summarize a little bit, right? So uh, the, on the first part, um, you shared these three areas and I really love that because I think also uh, when we talk transformation projects, we always, even if we're a technology company, we always also look at people, we look at process, and you said product as well. Um, and you, the definition would be more of like the a, a change to the core of at least one of those three areas. Uh, is is that right? Definitely. Yes. Okay. So whenever we alter one of these areas or maybe another area at the core, that would be called as a business transformation Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good definition, right? I agree. I mean, uh, at, particularly the element that you highlighted as in changing to the core, which in in my mind at least the way I interpret this is I take what is done up to now, I you know, quote unquote, 
throw it out of the window. <laughs> and then I see if I were to reshape what is done today, you know, what, how do I do it, right? What, what principles do I base it on? What's the experience I want to create? You know, what's the underlying, um, you know, the foundation, the technology foundation or other foundations that to provide that experience and so on. So it's kind of like starting from scratch. Is, would you say it's accurate? In some cases, I would say yes. But in some okay. cases, we also try to maintain a balance where mm -hmm. the three aspects come in, where we definitely sit with the customer, sit with the business and ask them that, okay, are there any aspects which they would love to continue with from their current mm -hmm. system? Because it might be a truth that we don't need to change everything, but some aspects that are maybe the major pain points so we do always go in with three things that what would they like to continue from their current processes? What would they like to start doing as part of the new transformed system? And as always, what would they like to stop doing? So mm -hmm. if there are anything that fall into these three buckets, we also take them into consideration when we go on the transformation journey with them. Okay, that's good. That's great to know. Yeah. So that's uh, maybe, uh, th thanks for cor correcting me here because maybe my mindset here is a bit radical. So I don't want to, you know, convince anybody to throw anything out of the window if that's not necessary. So but there are certain cases where <laughs> that holds true, right? <laughs> where if there's a very archaic system that we think that, okay, needs redevelopment from the scratch, that definitely holds true, but I would like to add a caveat that maybe not in 100% of the cases, but in some cases that is still the truth. Okay. All right. And then the second point was around, you know, how do you uh, know that's necessary, right? And and uh, I think um, the highlight there was, you know, understanding that business uh, and I mean, the world is changing. You said change is the only constant, right? Uh, so a lot of the times it's about keeping up. The question here is, I've seen a lot of customers who maybe realize that this is necessary a bit too late in the game, meaning you're starting to lose business, you're declining, you're losing market share, whatever, you know, okay, reactively, I need to change something in order to reverse the situation. And then there are other cases of companies who are a bit more proactive in identifying the need for change and, and transforming as more proactively as a result of that, right? Do you have a fail from your experience so far? What is the split between example A and example B, um, and also what is it that makes companies that are more proactive different in that way? What is, is it about the culture? Is it about something else? So what's in your perspective, the secret ingredient there? I think on a wider perspective, it is somehow related also to the customer maturity, because internally, when we have a business transformation proposal, we also take the customer maturity into consideration. Some are at the start, they are not very mature. They definitely want to transform, but there are certain aspects that they need to also internally evaluate themselves, get an idea of what their long-term vision should be, and then they can be ready for a mm -hmm. business transformation. Whereas on the other spectrum, I think there are some customers who are really advanced in their customer maturity. They know their business inside out. They know what needs to be done. In some cases, I think they also know how they want to achieve it or what they need to do in order to increase their business multifold. So 
that would be a base aspect that when we have some customers who know that they need to transform and not their maturity level is also a major factor mm. that how well they know what they are doing how well they know the competition and how well they know their customer base and to change for the better mhm it's interesting what you say because if we were to focus on one attribute of that maturity differentiation i mean i i understand that I guess the way you describe it is it's really about you said the customer knowing their business, right? Understanding their business and their industry and everything. Um but I think the attribute there is maintaining this external or extrovert point of view on what's happening in the world, right? So basically keeping sure. in touch with the industry and something that I have experienced and not from my own career perspective uh, but also interacting through with uh, with uh, customers as well. is that you have some cases where companies are very internally oriented you know like and it's a product of maybe uh, getting involved in internal politics and what not right so you you change your focus on how do i satisfy senior management as opposed to how do i keep this uh, uh, you know customer orientation and market and industry orientation and that can lead down the wrong path so um definitely and i think that forms part of the key drivers for a transformation right that it always starts from people and the end point is always people so mm-hmm. to just explain it a bit uh, better whenever we want to start off with a business transformation we need the people with the right mindset mm-hmm. people who can understand the big picture the vision where we want to drive the business with and it's people who drive this transformation and at the end it will also be people in the business so it could be your employees your different stakeholders partners customers who will be using the end result of your transformation product right mm-hmm. and of course that's why it's always important to have this aligned with all your important stakeholders all the people who will be part of this transformation journey that everybody is on the same page everybody knows what is the vision that we are working towards and they also understand what's their part in making that vision a reality so that would be the basic step of starting a transformation because when we have a team that's aligned it's at least i can say it's half the battle already won because you have people who are going to work with you towards the same goal and that's a nice thing to have as a start Right I think this there is a lot of great advice in there and you know I you already started t- touching upon some of the things that I wanted to uh, get into so let's go into the next one because I think that, that that's a nice segue to that so what I was thinking is okay now you have identified the need for transformation right you understand that you need such a radical degree um of change in your business um you know it's necessary right um the why is there as of this moment right that you decide to embark on that journey what are some key considerations what are some key things you need to keep in mind as a business leader that's also um an interesting one because the key point that we always start off with is that we have to partner with the customer it cannot mm-hmm. be that we are driving something but the customer is not there side by side with us in every step that we are doing Mm-hmm. So we start off with um a series of sessions with the customer 
are their major pain points why do they need to drive this transformation what will be the value that they will get after that a business value map is one of the most common deliverables that is also shaped up during mm-hmm. or before the start of the process another aspect there is to have them define a vision jointly so mm-hmm. it's basically salesforce and the customer jointly seeing what is the vision what is the big picture where are the aspects that we can help with and also having a quick time to value because if i have a transformation roadmap that's going to take maybe 5 years or 3 years it also needs to be defined that what will be the value that we will get after specific time points mm-hmm. and that's where we need the buy in from the customer buy in from the team and starting off with a strong base like a business value roadmap a definition on what the time on value would be and what return on investment the customer would be getting these would be if not all but some of the key takeaways that we have from these discovery sessions okay so from a customer perspective i guess what i'm hearing is you need to have what what you call the business value map right so basically understand uh The, or maybe quantify the why am i doing this how does it tie to my uh, company goals company broader company initiatives and so on um you talked about the vision right um and um uh, basically defining what's kind of the end goal the, uh, the the target picture where would you like to go to and of course then keeping track of that the why uh, and defining key milestones that you need to achieve Uh, and focusing on some of the quick wins would you say this is a fair summary yes definitely very concise <laughs> okay uh so that's great to see and uh, now the the question for me is as, as uh, this is a discovery right so you mentioned so as part of that let's say you put everything on paper you know uh kind of high level the reason the way the steps you're going to take how do you move from that to to actually I building the team and and bringing together the people that you will need to uh to make this happen and how do you help these teams you know connect to that purpose so would you have any advice on that I think an important aspect in this part is um not to wait till the last moment that you create a team mm-hmm. but to have a team identified also at the start because since it's a transformation journey If the team is involved right at the start, your core alignment with the team is in place. Because when we start involving somebody maybe later on or midway into the journey, we have to also invest a bit of time in bringing them on board with what was aligned, what was the vision, what are the next steps that we do. So we try and have a team in place at the start of a transformation journey. a team that can help understand the customer's business the culture the values that a customer has because in the end it's not only the technical aspects that we will be altering but also as i mentioned something at the core level so mm-hmm. it's really important to have a team that understands the way the business operates the culture that the company drives and to guide them and partner with them in these aspects throughout the journey. Mhm. 
And I presume the same is the case for the customer. They would also have to identify some of the key players that they need to bring into this process from the very beginning, even before you, you know, perhaps even before the business case is there of, yes, we will do it. So they can carry over that knowledge then to the people that, that would join that project maybe at later stages. Yes, definitely. So the partnership uh, that I mentioned that would be working in both the ways, the customer also has their internal set of stakeholders who will be part of this journey. They will also be involved from the start and we as Salesforce will also have our set of uh, stakeholders who will be with us throughout the journey. They may be in different roles, in different sectors of the company, but it is always key to have them involved at the start. Okay. Maybe one thing as well. Uh, so I've said, I've talked about that before. <laughs> this is a little bit, I'm doing a bit of a detour here, Saba. Um, mm-hmm. I've it, I mentioned it in one of the previous episodes where we talked about um, do's and don'ts uh, when it comes to implementation. Um, and one of the problems I've encountered is that when we partner up with a company, uh, and I don't think this is a problem only specific to Salesforce, I would say if you're a technology vendor, you've probably encountered that as well, right? You have some of your top resources, best people, you bring it into a very challenging customer setting. And, and usually these are resources that are uh, coming with a you know high price tag as well. Um, and then they are thrown into a, corporate environment where, of course, they have to bring the expertise that they are hired for, but also it happens that they have to navigate all sorts of political structures um, and challenges and, you know, um, let's say uh, different cultural specificities of a a company that they're not very familiar with. Uh, And this can be a big trap sometimes. So what I think helps a lot here is to make sure that this the, the customer, the company undergoing through transformation, they also bring in somebody that can act as a coach and as a partner to that person from the very beginning to help remove those kinds of roadblocks and help that person as an external advisor to do their job more effectively. That's a great point, yes. Is it something, I, I presume it's something you've encountered as well, being so involved in a, a you know number of different projects. Definitely, and... I think it's also one of the areas that helps us grow as consultants or architects, right? Because every time you have contact with a new business, you cannot be the expert right at the get-go moment, but you grow Mm -hmm. within the time that you are on this journey with them. You get to know lots of facts about the industry because as an example, I could be working in an automotive uh, industry customer today. And in a couple of uh, months, I could be in the healthcare industry with a new customer. Mm -hmm. So it is also part of my personal growth that I get acquainted with what are the terms, what are the cultural specificities for the specific industries. And having a coach from the customer side is definitely a value add. But I do agree with you that it should be important to have such a setup. And I would also say I think it's important for every consultant and architect in general to also have this awareness that every journey gives them a chance to also grow more, widen their industrial aspects. And it should be an opportunity that we should take up whenever we get the chance. 
Yeah. I, and I mean, I would even go a bit further to say it's not simply value add, but I, I consider this to be a very critical factor to success, you know, and I've experienced this as a customer, as experienced this now as a vendor, and I can see there is a huge difference on, I mean, on, on, on things like the team morale as well, because of course, as an, as a consultant, um, as an advisor, right, external to somebody's company, if you have somebody that you can partner up with and you can trust, you know, this person is on your side, you both have a joint, um, you know, interest in this and shared success if everything goes well. It's a very different environment. You're also more excited, more motivated to, you know, do that extra mile uh, for that customer. So uh, if, if my, if anyone is listening out there uh, that is about to hire somebody external on their project, keep that in mind. Uh, because I think this can really help. Um, it's, it's, this can have a very tangible contribution to the project success. That's all I'm saying. Definitely. And that's a great point to make. Thanks, Stefanos. Hello there. I hope that you are enjoying this episode of Cookies and Code. If you have benefited in any way from the knowledge of the guests on this podcast, I'd like you to ask for one small favor that would only require a couple of minutes of your time. This podcast is a project born out of passion to share the knowledge and the stories hidden within our community. By leaving a review on the platform that you're listening to, you will greatly increase the chances of it being found by others like you. This is one small action that will allow me to continue to grow and improve this podcast more than you realize. So thank you for being a listener first and foremost, but also for helping me increase our impact. Now, let's get back to the chat. So you can see I'm a bit passionate about this because I experienced it. And you know, the, I have the pet peeve of customers that sometimes you get hired on a, on a project and uh, they can be a very tense environment, right? It can be very tense. This tension can often be directed towards you as an external person in the room. And this is no fun. And so, okay. But you know, since we're talking about this and I'm going to get off my soapbox because I could go on on this topic, but that's not the point of today's episode. And I want to get into the next one that is kind of related, right? So obviously when it comes to transformation, especially the bigger the company, the bigger the organization you have to deal with, there are so many different teams and stakeholders, external, internal, different departments and so on. So what are some of the key principles that you need to keep in mind to make your transformation team be a dream team, right? So would you have any advice on that? I think some of the key aspects that um, we do consider while shaping up the dream team is um, the industry expertise, because it's always comfortable for the customer if we have somebody who understands what they are doing, knows their uh, go-to terms, and it's also an add-on for us that we have somebody with the industry experience. Then comes also the cultural understandings because we could be doing a project maybe today in Europe, tomorrow in Asia, and after that in the Americas. So it's good to have also a cultural aspect that, okay, how do different companies work? What do they want to achieve? And the third integral part would also then be the technological aspects. That if we are driving a technological transformation, we cannot forget that aspect as part of the key forms of making a dream team. Mm -hmm. And once we get these three core aspects, then also comes the challenge of availability, having somebody to start off at the time when we need them. But once we get through the three key aspects, I think it's easier to then have a dream team, as you say. 
mm-hmm. uh, formed for a specific journey that we have in mind. Okay, so when it comes to the team that uh, would bring, um, there is this aspect of industry knowledge, culture, uh, of, of, and skills. When it comes to the customer's team, right? So uh, the, the, the team, because um, we, we established this is always a joint effort. Um, what are some of the key roles that you think, or the key considerations, I don't want to focus on roles only, uh, that the customers should have in mind? So I think one of the key considerations that every um, journey has on the customer side is somebody who will be the propagator of this transformation somebody who can communicate on a wider level within the business or a change management expert. I didn't want to term this as a role in general because multiple companies will have multiple roles and it's not necessary that they will call it the same way. Mm -hmm. But somebody who can help drive this transformation within the company is one of the key roles that we need because we could transform something small, we could transform something on a major scale, But if the key stakeholders in the company are not involved in it or informed about it, it will cause some hampering in the success ratios or even in the mm-hmm. adoption of that particular change. So okay. at least I would say this is one of the key roles that we need to have alongside the other stakeholders who are involved from the business side. Okay, so you need that level of influence, I guess, to make sure that you... At least it increases the, the success rate, as you called it, to, to, to make sure that the changes that are being worked on actually go through and adopted and embraced. Definitely. Okay. Now, here I have a very specific question, and I think this is a bit more a phenomenon we see in the enterprise sector. We have, especially when we look at a large-scale transformation project, you know, you have the the business side of the of the house uh, that is involved in this um, and the business owners or product owners or whatever they're called in different settings right you have project leaders you have IT leaders and IT departments that need to be involved sometimes multiple teams especially if you mm-hmm. touch on multiple touch points on a users or a consumer's experience and all, all the different data um, data silos, we call them, but basically different teams may be handling different data sets depending on, again, what is um, that you're trying to tap into. You have legal teams and compliance teams. And I could keep going on, but basically my point is it can really get out of hand. Right? So you can end up with a project team, a combined project team from, from the vendor side and from the customer side of 30, 40, 50 people at times. So how do you balance out the need to have everybody involved and included um, to ensure that they do their part in the project with the speed and agility that technology projects often require, especially if you're working on a timeline? I'm for one of my favorite aspects uh, called the RACI matrix and also a clean timeline where if we have multiple stakeholders, what are they going to be mainly responsible for? At which phases would they would we need them to step in? And where would we see them being accountable for specific parts in the journey? I think these three things are also important to be mapped out. And I'm not sure, but if uh, many people have used the RACI matrix before, but 
it's it still stays a go-to thing for me on multi-stakeholders or multi-people projects because it's a clear way to keep somebody accountable for their action items or their way forward and to keep somebody responsible for their set of uh, responsibilities. I like that. And that along with a defined timeline, when and where we need them to be involved is I think a step forward to where we want to be. I like that. And I think the AC is, is a very useful tool, in, particularly in these situations. Um, so m- m- I have a follow-up question, but before, um, before getting to my initial follow-up question, I have another follow-up question. I thought maybe for people who are not familiar with the, um, the RACI tool, can you perhaps just say a couple of words to help somebody that may want to achieve something similar, try to leverage this or uh, at least the form of this structure? Yes. Sure. So on a high level, that uh, could be termed as a responsibility assignment matrix where you have different roles that are involved as part of your transformation process. It's not only limited to transformation, but could also be used as part of projects or engagements that you are on that involve several stakeholders. And it is spelled as R-A-C-I, which stands for which role is responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed for which of the activities that helps us create um, sort of a format that if tomorrow I have a specific action item that is responsible more on the operation side, then I would reach out to a particular role. If I need something that's more responsible on the business side, then I know who is responsible for that. And it helps ease out the format of complexities. Yeah. I think the, the, the way it helps is because often when it comes to projects, you see org charts, right? And the org chart tells you who is involved in what functional role and so on, but it doesn't tell you, you know, uh, how often they need to be involved into what discussion and what level of information they need to receive and so on. And you end up having meetings if, if you, unless you have something like a tool that you described that basically says, this is the core team when it comes to to this kind of topic area, right? This is the team when it comes to technology topics. This is the team on business topics, on campaign topics, whatever. That helps you form smaller teams that on their own, they can move uh, in a more agile manner on the areas that they are assigned to. Uh, but if you're missing something like that, the risk is that you end up with meetings of, meetings of all 30 people showing up, not necessarily having a role in that meeting, but since they're there, you know, they might wanna agree or disagree, often disagree, and it just slows things down. So I think it also helps keep relevance in all of the Mm -hmm. meetings, right? That when we have the responsible people involved in each meeting, you make it more productive, increase the efficiency, and people can focus on their core tasks that they have and their core deliverables. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, of course. Okay, and maybe last question when it comes to the team topic. Um, Now, when we sort of talked about it uh, previously, when we touched upon different uh, topics, but I, I would like to zoom in a bit more on the cultural aspect as well, because of course we can have a well-defined team uh, with roles and structures and everything. Uh, but I do think that culture also plays an important role um, when it comes to how successful a transformation initiative is. Um, so. Are there any cultural elements that you have seen stand out in successful teams? So um, I think from a broader part, 
we could say that culture is something that needs to be reflected by both the parties in an equal way so that we have a match so as an example to say that um sometimes when we have from the business side the willingness to be innovative to explore to take on new challenges and we have a counterpart in our team or the implementation and delivery team with similar aspects or similar willingness to innovate and explore it's always a good match mm-hmm. then there are contrasting aspects so this might sound a bit funny but doesn't seem funny in real delivery situations but there are also aspects where some businesses are very rigid they do not want to change or they already have a thought out thing that no this is the way that our company culture company values have been since the last x number of years and i think that is where one has to actually strive through what could be the base factor where we could align mm-hmm. and have sort of like this alignment between the archaic cultural forms and something that we need to do as part of the way forward and these mm-hmm. are often times where it gets really interesting because your negotiation skills where you and the opposing party actually align on a mutual agreement Mm-hmm. these skills would also come into play where you have these contrasting cultural aspects coming up yeah i i understand what you mean i mean i guess it there, there can be some sometimes a cultural conflict uh, depending on on the um company that we would partner up with and sometimes if it's a company that you know is very well aligned on the value on our value system and our, our culture and mindset and behavior levels it can be easy or let's say if it's a close the spectrum can be easy to align but then you have companies that are drastically different because of their history and their background and a lot of different factors and there it's a little bit of a process to find common ground but that's i think also an important aspect where we would need empathy as um a value from our side because sometimes it's also difficult for people to just let go of everything and get on a new journey with us so i would also add that we need to be a bit more empathetic in these situations try and grasp what the point of view of the other side is and yeah that might help us find then a common alignment and a way forward but it definitely forms an important value yeah i, I one tool that we use and i want to plug this in here because maybe relevant um we have a a, a tool uh, internally at salesforce which actually for a while now we use with customers as well we will call the v2mom uh, it stands for vision values values uh, methods obstacles and measures that's the initials but basically in a simple form it's a it's a structure that we use in order to say okay what is our vision for a particular year when it comes to a particular topic what are the methods that we're going to use in order to achieve that vision what are the guiding values what are the anticipated obstacles and what not um and we use that tool often with customers especially when there is a very strong need to get on the same page on a project and as part of that there is this value section that i mentioned which which can be very interesting because it's um the process that um you described sabat just now which is basically how do we define together the common values that we can find that we will apply to this initiative together right so this is a, a great st- structure and we try to convince 
more and more customers to go for it. Um, but uh, yeah, as you said, the openness varies depending on the on the customer situation. And off late, I think we've seen a lot of transformation projects starting off with a V2Mom of their own too. And mm -hmm. it's refreshing to see that now a lot of customers, they are also aware of this. It's not only limited to an internal Salesforce concept now, but more and more customers are being aware of this and are using it. So yeah. it's great to see that something that we used to use internally is now being propagated externally. And its use and helping to align us. Yeah, indeed. So maybe that's a topic for the, we said today we do a business transformation 101. So maybe that's a topic for the 201. We can dive a bit deeper into that because I think it's a structure that's very interesting to elaborate on. But looking um, at time, I think um, we, we're probably a bit more than 40 minutes in. So um, I want to move on to the next one. I think this is for, for today's topic, maybe the closing one, but a very important one. Uh, how do you measure success, right? So we've talked about why, we talked about key considerations when it comes to, uh, you know, preparing to undergo through transformation, about tying the vision to the team, bringing the team together. Now, let's say you've done all that, you've gone into it, and now you look back and you say, was I successful? How do you do that? So this... Also, the success criteria, they are usually set at the start because mm -hmm. when we have a customer coming to us saying that, okay, these are the outcomes that they want to, we also have this discussion with them that at the end of this transformation program, what would they see as a success criteria? And it won't be a one-size-fits-all. So, it might not be that the success criteria for one customer is the same as the success criteria for the next one, but they usually have their success criteria clear. It could mm -hmm. be that somebody wants a revenue growth or somebody wants less time to be spent um, in call centers, but more time being effective and reachable by customers. So for several aspects, the success criteria would be different but we have this as an alignment at the start of the project that before we start doing anything from our end, we need to be clear what are going to be the success outcomes that we deliver at the end of this engagement. And it's always done in alignment with the customer because it has to be a success criteria that has value for them at the end. Mm -hmm. They are willing to spend their budget, their resources, their time, everything to go through this journey. So it's also important that they are the ones who can help shape the success criteria. Okay. So basically what you're saying is if we have done a proper homework at the beginning of this process, then measuring success should be somewhat easy. Definitely. And we don't usually keep this towards end of the journey. There are several checkpoints in between where we have mm -hmm. internal Salesforce methodologies also to be in touch with the customer, to check how we are doing from a success criteria perspective. If there's anything that we need to include in it or exclude from it, because as I mentioned at the start, the business keeps on changing rapidly mm -hmm. and change stays the only constant, right? So if we have something defined at the start, it could be a possibility that we might have to alter it based on the direction that we are going or based on what we have done in the past. So we do have these at regular intervals 
just to keep a track that we are still aligned, we are still heading towards the right direction and with the right preparation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess let's wrap this up, right? In terms of the um, of the topic of today, we talked about a lot of different areas. Uh, it was quite a broad uh, coverage, let's say, of the transformation topic. I mean, today the idea was anyway, we kind of go over some of the basics and uh, we will have more episodes coming on this topic as a 201 and, and so on. Um, but from today's discussion, um, what are some of the key takeaways that someone should remember, Saba? I can't put a number on this, but I will try and at least summarize it as a partner with your customer. Neither you nor them will be alone on this journey. So it's better to have a partnership with them, have an aligned vision and try and always understand it from the customer's perspective that what is their motivation to do that. And as I mentioned a few minutes earlier, also keep a regular track of are you hitting your success criterias or if there needs to be something that should be altered beforehand and not at the end of the transformation journey. So for me, these would be the key things. Definitely having a good team to do this journey is also important, but I would say that we need to start with a strong base and then move on the journey in a partnered model with the customer. Okay. So you said partnership, vision, success criteria, and team, and then the partner journey uh, or joint journey. I hope I tried to summarize it in as few sentences as possible. No, I think these are great takeaways, Saba. So thanks so much. And I think there's, I mean, we said it today is going to be a challenge to just say a few things only because this is such a big topic. But I think as a starting point, the the five things or four or five things that you mentioned um, are definitely in the must-do list uh, from, from, from me as well. So I'm glad to hear that this aligns with your years of experience in consulting. And um, I'm hoping that, that uh, it's also going to help some of the both partners that are listening in uh, to this and are looking at what are the key areas they need to be focusing on, but again, companies that may be going through this journey um, on their own, what are some of the key things they need to keep in mind and doing uh, either alone or ideally with a partner. And if you need that, Saba is here, so you're directly at the source. So on a more personal note, uh, and now I'm moving into um, the couple of questions I'd like to ask every guest and a bit more on the personal side again. Um, so when we look at your career, we establish you for the, a very successful career so far uh, in the tech sector. Is there a piece of advice that you received at, at some point that uh, you have kept with you? And if so, what is it, this advice? And yeah, why has it had a, such an impact on you? Um, That's a really nice one. And I think I don't have very career-specific advice, but I mentioned at the start, right, that I had gone through several roles as part of the internship. Also, I wanted to see, like, okay, what would make sense for me just fresh out as a new graduate? And I remember at that time, my dad had actually told me that whatever you do, just make sure that you enjoy doing it every day because we are doing a job, we are doing something day in, day out. And Mm -hmm. if you lose the passion and the fun out of it, it just makes it like a monotonous thing that you're doing. And to this day, I still keep that in mind. 
I love doing what I am and I can definitely see myself doing this for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And I would also want to tell this to I think anybody who's in a split uh, mind of what should they do for the start. So definitely go something that you're passionate about that you would love to do day in day out for the rest of your career and I think it definitely is something nice that gives you happiness at the end of the day. Okay. That's beautiful advice. And the last question I have is a a rec. Do you have a recommendation? Uh so and this can be it's an again open question. It can be anything, it can be a book, it can be a podcast, any other resource. Um so is there anything that is top of mind for you this time that you would like to recommend? I am currently reading a book. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins and I think that is something that is top of my mind now because it's a 400 page book that I am about to finish but I would definitely recommend this to somebody who is interested in this and to maybe give a bit of context what it is the tagline on the book also reads by some companies make the leap and others don't so mm-hmm. it's quite interesting a good read and I had received this recommendation from several people so I just started off with it last weekend and i am hoping to complete it this weekend <laughs> okay well i uh, wish you good luck with that and thanks so much for the recommendation and it also sounds like a book that maybe if uh, you're preparing to go through a transformation you could benefit from a read for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right so well saba that has been it so thank you so much um for 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 joining me on this this was saba everyone so from our professional services leader at Salesforce uh, here in EMEA Central and uh, also Stefanos myself your host for Cookies and Code and yeah this was such an enjoyable podcast i learned a lot i hope you did as well so i'm looking forward to seeing you for the next one <laughs>